You're listening to the Five Leadership Questions podcast. I'm your host, Todd Atkins, and I'm here with Daniel M. Hello, hello. And we have a guest today that Daniel is very excited to introduce. But before we do so, I just want to remind you uh, to please go over to iTunes and leave us a rating and review. A five-star review, in fact, would be absolutely amazing. Only if we deserve the five stars. Only if we deserve the five stars. Yeah, only. only. Well, I'm assuming we do. Yeah. <laughs> well, especially after we interview Michael here. Yeah. There's no way you can't give us five stars. No. You do know you know why? why? Yeah. I have a reason. I have a reason reason too. What's your reason? (laughs) Because we have arranged, actually Michael just did this on his own. He's in York, Pennsylvania, and I can tell you that the background is legit. So he is sitting in front of a roaring fire, which you will hear. Yeah, I can hear the You will hear the audio. We, nobody else will bring that to you. We bring it to you. And that's why we deserve (laughs) a five-star review. Go to fact, I'm, going to, I'm going to go do that review for you guys right now. Can we put the interview on hold? I'm going to do that right now for you. You can do it while we're talking. We, don't, we, we, we don't care if you multitask as long as you're leaving a review. <laughs> don't do it All if right. you're listening to All this right. in a car, All though. Right. All right. So Michael Anthony is the lead pastor of Grace Fellowship in York, Pennsylvania, and he is the author of A Call for Courage. So, Michael, we're excited that you're on the podcast, and we're going to be walking through our five questions together. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. Real privilege, guys. You're doing a great, great work. And that was a big bang. That was. Wow. It's exciting. It's the the ambience. Oh, for sure. (laughs) There was another one. All right. uh, So real quick question before we get started. I do want you to introduce yourself, but you need to, uh, to, and provide a little more commentary. Do you know how to play Crokinole? No, I don't. Should I? You what? should, being that far north. What are you talking about? Crokinole. It's a game, bro. Look it up. It's like really? a Dutch game or something. I just thought being up that way. <laughs> I bet you my wife knows it. I bet I bet my wife knows it. Chad oh, knows it. It is uh it's like it's like curling with checkers. That's that all, that's all I got. Sounds dangerous. Yeah. Okay. Daniel's yeah, yeah, like, this thing is already ahead. off the rails. Yeah, Why don't well, you give us a little, uh, a little bit of a, more of a lengthy bio, and we'll get into the question. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, pastor, as you said, a Grace Fellowship in York, Pennsylvania, four-time death survivor, uh, most recently with cancer. Had a softball-sized tumor around my superior vena cava, which is near the Anagata de Vida. Uh, no, um, but that's true. Girl almost died. Almost was ki- kidnapped. A couple of kidnapping attempts against me when I was four or five years old. Wow! And I wrote a book about courage. Fear has been a theme in my life, so I wrote a book about courage because I, I learned that courage is not something that people are born with. It's something that's developed, and especially today, people need to be encouraged to be courageous because there's so much fear. And what I call reverse intolerance happening today against people of faith, Christians. Hmm. So that's my story and I'm sticking to it. And it's great to be with you guys. Yeah, that's good. You can learn more at couragematters.com. You can also go to lifeway.com slash leadership and select today's podcast episode number and get that, a link to that and everything else we talk about. But uh, Michael, to kick us off, why don't you start with, uh, with the first question? Who are you learning from? Yeah. First one I'm learning from the most by far is my wife and then secondarily my children. I I think for a long time as a leader, I did not value, I'm going to be honest with you guys, uh, I didn't value the input of my wife to the degree to which I should have. And every time I 
I didn't listen to my wife as closely, as attentively as I should have, I paid a heavy price for it. Mm. So I kind of learned the hard way. Most of the lessons I've learned in life, I've learned from my own failures, you know? So I really am learning from my wife, learning at an emotional level where she's at, learning to be more in tune emotionally, not only to her, but also my children and the other people that I'm leading. You know, I lead a, a fairly large church in York and there's always something happening. The complexity just never stops. Mm. So always, uh, always listening, trying to, at least anyway, really listen to my wife and understand and pay attention to the nuances of what she's saying, not just the actual words that are coming out of her mouth. Yeah. That's good. I mean, I don't know how many times I should have listened to my wife. <laughs> yeah. I'm not I bet you if you ask her, she'll tell you. If you ask her, uh, no, 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 no. You don't, you don't ask questions like yeah. that. No. Yeah. <laughs> you just know it happened and you try not you know, to one, do it again. One thing I learned with my wife um, that I'm trying to incorporate into my discussions with her is when she's sharing something, instead of going right into fix it mode, I'll ask her, are you saying this because you want my opinion or just because you want me to listen to you? And I'll tell you what, nine times out of 10, that question has saved my bacon because instead of going into fix it mode, she'll come back and she'll say, I just want you to listen. Mm -hmm. I just want you to hear what I'm saying. And then I can kind of take my hands off the wheel and just let her process. And that's done a world of good in our relationship and a world of good in my learning how to lead. Because I think leadership is something you never arrive at. You're arriving at being a better leader, if that makes sense. Well, and that's, uh, you know, that's particularly insightful because I think a lot of guys would say, okay, so I don't know when to say something or when not to say something. And by just asking that question in that way allows you to, um, to know whether or not you're supposed to say something. Because I think guys would say, well, nine times out of 10, when I don't say something, then she's, she says, well, why, you know, aren't you going to say something? Um, and so I think that's that's good and insightful. And also, I mean, you know, just the questions our kids ask and the way we answer um, holds us accountable many times. Uh, yeah. Just you know, to whether we believe what, whether we really believe what we just told them. Yeah. Uh, am I am are my actions lining up to be mm -hmm. true with what I just told my kids about this question mm -hmm. about God or this situation? So mm -hmm. I think that's really good. Yeah, Michael, what are some ways that your your kids you're learning from your kids these days, then? Well, when they compliment me, my little guy, especially, is very verbal. My my younger guy is more like me, and my older guy is more just like my wife. He's more quiet, more reserved. But my younger guy, whenever he pays me a compliment like, Dad, you're awesome, or Dad, you're the best dad in the world, I, I ask him now, and I say, why? Why are you saying that? And then I just listen, and his answers, his responses have been really, really, really beneficial for me in being a better dad, because I think as a pastor, as a leader, I think people who are listening can probably identify with this. If if God's called you to lead and you have a family, you have to, I, I don't think juggling is probably the right word. You have to balance and you have to be intentional with your family. Otherwise, your family gets lost in the in the crossfire. So I'll ask my, my son, why, do you, why are you saying that? Why are you saying that? your dad's awesome. And then I listen and then, um, it humbles me and inspires me too. Yeah. It's, it's because I want something, dad. My question is, do you do the same thing when he says something that's not as nice? 
Oh, that's for another podcast episode. (laughs) But you know, he'll say to me, he'll say, because you're spending time with me and that's his, that's his main love language. And, And that, that is not my main love language. Mine is verbal affirmation and uh, hugs. I like hugs. So when he says, because you're spending time with me, it's a good reminder for me to get that into my DNA with him that he really needs time. I mean, everybody needs time. All children need time. Mm-hmm. But he especially needs one-on-one devoted, un- non-distracted time with him. No smartphone, no tablet, uh, all like you know, full-on attention, looking him in the eye, listening, paying attention. And, and yeah. how old are your kids? 14 and about to be 12 next okay. week. Okay, yep. Great. All right. What is the main point of emphasis for your leadership team or yourself right now? That's an easy one. Listening, 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 listening. I think that um, I've come to a point in my life and my leadership and our church, our ministries, <clears throat> where if I don't focus on being uh, an excellent leader, I'm not going to be able to lead the sheep. So I think the primary responsibility of a shepherd is to listen to the sheep, to be attentive to the needs of the sheep. And that comes with your staff. I think it starts with your staff, with your elders, with your deacons, all the other leaders. So really emphasizing listening. What are they really saying? What what do they really hope that I'm willing to listen to if I give them the right, if I give them the freedom to be brutally honest? What would they actually say to me? And there needs to be that kind of freedom. And so I'm encouraging that in them and just trying to do a lot of listening and a lot, a lot less talking, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. What does that, uh, what, in addition to not, you know, not talking or trying not to talk as much, what does that practically speaking, what does that look like? How are you drawing that out? Well, we do surveys when we do our annual reviews each year, we, I have them evaluate me, which is kind of like a big gulp moment. I have them evaluate what they think about me as a leader. And that facilitates a discussion, not just, you know, beyond the paper, it facilitates a discussion to really do an evaluation of myself. So we have over 50 employees now at our church. And so when you're getting feedback from your key leaders about yourself, you either are going to pay attention to what they're really trying to say, because not everybody's a really good communicator. So I have to listen in a particular way to try to discern what are they really trying to say here about me? Do they really feel like they could come to me about anything that they might have that's a concern or a hesitancy? Do they really feel like they have a champion in me for their cause? Because if I don't help them succeed, guess what? They're not going to help me succeed. And it flows both ways. And in order for us to succeed in any organization, not just the church, any organization, there has to be a, a mutual commitment for everybody in the organization to succeed. And my success is in proportion to my enabling the people under me and alongside of me to succeed as well. So if I'm not a good listener, if I'm not, if, if I'm waiting for somebody to become an excellent communicator, forget it. That's not going to happen because not everybody's a pastor, not everybody's a writer, not everybody's a speaker. And so I have to read between the lines of what they're saying and do a lot of listening and ask follow-up questions. What do you mean by that? Or I think what you're saying is this. Is this what you're saying? Am I hearing you right? And then when I get the, the really aggressive 
nods of affirmation and the, yeah, that's right. Then I know that I've listened and then I can learn because if I'm not listening, I'm not learning. And if I'm not learning, I'm not leading. I can't lead effectively. Yeah, that's, that's really good. There's this, there's this book that I recently read that we've mentioned on the podcast uh, a few times. It's uh, it's called never split the difference by Chris Voss. And it's a, it's a book on negotiation. He's like an FBI negotiator. And, and he basically <laughs> talks about the difference between that's right. And you're right. And it's interesting how you said that's right. And, and the way he describes the difference is if, if you are talking to someone and they respond with you're right, that's basically the end of the conversation. They, they, you know, you think you've gotten them to where you want them to be, but that's actually not. It's like, honey, you're right. Oh, 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 you're like, right. I want this to be over. Yeah. No, totally. It's, I want this to be over. I don't really care anymore. You're right. Where he want, where, where you, you want people to get to in leading them in developing others is for them to say, that's right. Because yeah. then it's a, it's, it's not a over. It's a, oh, yeah, yeah, that's, that's right. That's right. Right. And there's, there's a huge difference between those two. Phrases. That's right, Daniel. Yeah, that's, that's right. right. That's right, right? That's right. That's right. <laughs> well, you know, along, along those lines, I think one of the things that we were going over today in our staff gathering, we have a, a, a Monday morning gathering, and we revolve it around two questions. What's God doing? What's he saying in our midst? And number two, how do we best respond to what we see him doing and saying? And those questions are really important because it's amazing what you can get done if you only care that Jesus gets the credit. So if you ask that kind of a question, if you're asking questions and discussing and you're looking for that that's right instead of who is right, mm. then you can cut through the, man, if God could speak through Balaam's donkey, certainly he can speak through a pastor, right? Certainly he can speak through a support person, whoever it might be in the chain of command. And I think that that distinction you're making, Daniel, is a really, really good way. That's right versus you're right. If we're looking for the Lord to show up, then there's safety. We can have discussions about a variety of things because we're all committed to the same thing. And that's not a thing. It's a person. It's Jesus. What does he want? Yeah, I appreciate that your main point of emphasis is listening because especially sitting in the first chair like you are, a lot of times people are just going to say what you want to hear or what they think you want to hear and, and to be able to cut through that noise and learn how to really get to what they're asking. I mean, number one, you need to build that culture of trust. Uh, mm -hmm. But number two, you need to be able to tease that out because some people will volunteer that information. Others, it'll take a little bit longer. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, they may not do that at first. Mm -hmm. They they may tell you what they think you want to hear at first, unless you're patient enough to listen or unless you're patient enough to draw out what's really yeah. there. And the only way you can, I mean, you know, we've said it before plenty of times on the podcast, you know, growth requires confrontation. It just does. Yeah, it does. It does. And the, and the reaction to that confrontation too. So Todd, even for us, I mean, I, we're kind of at the point after knowing each other for almost four years now, right? I've been here three years though, but we're, we're all just kind of Say it like it is to you. <laughs> we have very. Do I sense a confrontation coming on right now? No, no, no. It's we're no. we'll we'll be completely honest. Even though Todd's my boss, <laughs> yeah. But but the reason I feel yeah. comfortable doing that is because Todd is incredibly like he's vulnerable and he's honest and he's I saying it like it is. <laughs> he's no. saying it like it is. Whereas I've worked for some other people where I, I'll want to say it, but I'm I'm afraid of how they're going to react. But Todd's yeah. really built that culture of trust and honesty. Mm -hmm. 
Super important. Mm-hmm. Super important. All right. Yeah. You want to get to question three? All right. Let's do question three. And we love this one. Other than reading the Bible, right? Because <laughs> we believe that it should be a daily discipline for leaders. Or sitting in yeah. front of a roaring fire. Yes, exactly. Uh, <laughs> what are two or three things, two or three things that you absolutely must do daily? And what benefit do they have for your life and leadership? Mm, excellent, excellent question. Number one is to check my motives. I've been really impressed by the scripture that says, uh, God will judge the secret motives of men's hearts. And so it's not just the things that we're going to do that we're going to be judged about at the judgment seat of Christ. It's also our motives. So that means for me, that's really, really impacted me because you could have two people who do the same things and they both look like they're on fire for God. Or one might even look like they're more on fire for God, but their motives could be, you know, trying to please a parent, trying to impress people, even subtly, and that's going to be judged by the Lord. So it's it's not the quantity of our works, as First Corinthians three says, it's the quality of our works. And so that's really, really important to me every day before I interact with my other leaders, the other people on our staff, before I go to an elder time, before I'm preaching uh, a message, I stop and I I start the day and I end the day evaluating why am I doing what I'm doing? Because if I don't do that, I run out of fuel in the course of the day and then I end up being a human doing. Mm. Uh, I'm just going from one activity and from one meeting to the next so that's really, really serious. The other thing that I'm doing, which I think is it's different than Bible reading and it's different than prayer time, is sitting and just thinking about my life. Sitting uh, typically before I open my Bible, before I begin to pray, sitting and just thinking about the end of my life mm. and that this is the only day that I have. I have no promise of tomorrow. And just that quiet space, holding off on praying holding off on reading, because that's what we should be doing as leaders, you know, pulling from, drawing from the well to be able to feed other people. I find that that's really, that's really helpful just to take a, uh, take a breath and to get some space, to give myself some space before I launch into listening to God in prayer, yeah. listening to him through his word. And that's super helpful as well. Yeah, that's, that's really good. And, and Michael, you kind of threw me for a loop there a little bit because you mentioned how you how you sit and you think before reading the scriptures and I I agree with that and I think that's it's a very important um, discipline for us to be silent, uh, especially in our age of noise and constant connectivity and such. Uh, but but you mentioned something that kind of threw me for a loop, where it was like you, thinking about the end of your life, and is that mm-hmm. because of your near death experiences or because of um, what you know you mentioned earlier that you had, had cancer? Is is that when that began, or maybe tease that out for us a little bit. No, I think uh, the the near death experiences, or you know, brushes with death, is probably a more appropriate way of saying it. Kind of amplified that. I remember for the longest time, I just had this preoccupation about living my life from the judgment seat backwards. That we're, we'll all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, and each one will give an account for the things we've done. So, the brushes that I had with death simply served to accentuate that and put that on steroids a little bit. I don't know why. It's just the way the Lord wired me. Mm. Um, It's a a curse, probably more than a blessing, uh, because I'm always evaluating, is this the best use of my time right now? 
is this the, is this what we should be focusing on as leaders? Is this what we should be doing as a church? So there's a, there's a tremendous burden that comes with that. Um, even though God uses that, you know, to purify and to to focus, it's it can be a heavy load to carry at times. Yeah, good deal. So we talked about this a little bit earlier, and uh, you you kind of did this in who you're learning from. But what does leadership in your home look like? Yeah, so leadership in our home looks like uh, every, you know each day my wife and I touching base about what she's doing, what I'm doing, communication. You know, it's like anything else in life. Most of the things that are important in life are not complex. They're simple. It's just a matter of doing them and executing them. And so we compare each other's schedules. And my wife needs a lot of hugs. That's one of the ways that she feels affirmed as well. She needs time and my presence, my literal presence. So um, that's how we try to lead. And that's how we are leading with our two boys. And we're homeschoolers, too. So my wife homeschools. So that's that adds another layer of potential complexity on top of it because my wife can be especially weighed down because she's always in teaching mode, you know. So um, comparing our schedules, listening to each other, making sure that we hear each other, and trying to make sure we're not two ships passing in the night. Yeah, yeah, especially with. Uh, busy schedule, extracurriculars, and your wife homeschooling. And it's, I mean, going back and forth with work and with you pastoring and, and, and writing and, and, and your ministry. I mean, it's, it's really easy to just be like two ships passing in the night. So yeah. I, I appreciate, you know, you mentioned love languages earlier and, and, and you mm-hmm. just talked about that a little bit more right now. But I mean, what, what are, I mean, how do you, do you ever get to the point where it does feel like, you you you've kind of been like two ships passing in the night. I mean, all how, the time. how do you how do you kind of get back from that? All the time, all the time. I think anybody that says that's not the case, then um, they're not either. They're not being honest, or um, they probably haven't gotten to that place of craziness in their leadership platform. If that makes sense, you know. So yeah, absolutely, that happens all the time. That's mm-hmm. why we need to have those touch points where we're we're talking to each other. And my wife knows, you know, years ago used to be if my wife shared honestly where she was with her frustrations, whether I'm not present or, excuse me, not emotionally giving to her what, what she needed. I used to get upset about that. Well, guess what she did? She just didn't share and that didn't make the problem go away. So as I've learned to listen to her and give her that safe place to be able to share her frustrations and just realize she's not criticizing me as much as my approach, mm. then that opens up a huge door to even better communication and um, looking at the reality of our lives are very busy. They're very distracted just by default, very um, divided just by default nature. So we have to be intentional each day, comparing each other's schedules, listening to each other, and being real about saying we're frustrated. I think that's one of the things we've, we've begun to grow in more than ever now being married about 19 years where we're now able to express our frustrations with each other and learn that that's just the first step of deeper communication and deeper understanding. It's, it's not a threat. It opens the door to deeper intimacy between the two of us. Yeah, that's, that's really important. My wife and I on Sunday evening always have a time where we'll read a book together or, and then pray with one another. And, and it's kind of like if, if we don't have, 
if we are like two ships passing in the night during the week because of busy schedules, it's like, hey, we know on Sundays we're going to mm-hmm. touch base and ask how each other's are doing, you know, how we're doing and, and be able to pray with one another. So that regular time helps us a ton with that. Yeah, super important. All right, well, let's get to our last question, which is, I, it's it's one of my favorite questions, and it's always fun, Todd, to hear everyone's answers and to be able to compare them. But, uh, you know, here, here it is. What would you tell your 20-year-old self about preparing to lead? Well, first of all, do you have the capability of catapulting me back into the past? Because <laughs> I would love to relive my 20s right. again. Ready, set, go. <laughs> well, listen, I'm going to be really honest with you, um, really transparent in that I had a broken relationship with my father for years. There were 13 years where we didn't even see each other. I didn't care if he was alive. He didn't care if I was alive. The good news is I got to lead him to Christ before he passed away and God redeemed that whole relationship. But uh, along the way, what I was lacking that I realized now especially was that affirmation from a key male figure in my life. And so I lived a lot of my, my life in my 20s looking for somebody to affirm what I really felt God had laid on my heart. And if you haven't noticed, it's very hard to find another another guy who selflessly pours into you as a guy who will affirm you, give you words of affirmation, be selfless and pour into you. So I wasted a lot of my time in my 20s waiting for affirmation that I didn't really need in terms of obeying God. Mm. We all need affirmation. I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is what I would tell my 20-year-old self, if I had the miraculous ability, I want to take that, whatever your, whatever talk, uh, tonic you're handing out, I want that. I'll, I'll buy it. But I would say, Mike, and maybe your, your listeners can identify with this, don't wait for another human being to affirm what God's called you to do. Let your affirmation fundamentally come from God. And as you step out and you're faithful to God, then the human affirmation will come. But I think it's a matter of first things first. First, being obedient to what God's telling you to do. And then as you do that, then the affirmation from people will come. I think there's a wound in every guy that we will wait for another significant male to affirm us. And if you wait too long for that, a lot of time can pass. And you miss opportunities to reach your full potential in Christ at the early age that you could. Does that make sense? What I'm saying? Yeah, it does. It does. And you know, on the on the one hand, you know, I, I fully agree with you that you do need to step out into that that calling, that affirmation that God has given you, and to not necessarily wait on others. But how do you know that it's yeah. actually, you know, if you're not getting affirmation right. from others, how do you know it's actually from God? Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of the catch-22 in one sense. But I see a lot of people, even today, in pastoring and counseling them, I see a lot of young adults who are immobilized because they didn't get affirmation when they were younger. And they're waiting for it now. And so they're just kind of going through the motion. They're not giving God their fullest surrender possible. I think no one who truly surrenders to God will ever live to regret it. And, And I guess that's what I'm saying is that if I would have just completely surrendered to the Lord and let that be the calling of my life, even though, you know, it was up and down, up and down, you surrender. I think surrender often happens incrementally, you know, if I would have done that, then I think the affirmation would have come and um, it would have been in the right order because otherwise you're, you're, I think, held captive 
to the opinions of people. And if you wait for the opinions of people to guide and direct you, you'll never be faithful to what God's called you to do. Good deal. Yeah, good deal. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, again, if you uh, want to pick up that book, it's um, <clears throat> you can find it at Amazon. You can find it on CourageMatters.com uh, or wherever books are sold. Yeah. Thanks, yep. Michael, for being on with us. Yeah, thanks, you guys. Great to be on your program and appreciate you immensely. Thank you. Okay. Yeah.